listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on the Monday after, live on 225 FSR stations. Across this great, great nation. Fez in studio, ready to go. Spent the time watching the rewind and such. Always in-game batting. How did he do with his seven picks? How did RJ do? Cross-fading him. Hmm. Let's just say I have a smile on my face. Speaking of smiles, he brings one to my face most of the time. He's in Los Angeles. He's my favorite Joe, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a battle of MVPs coming up on Monday Night Football, our NBA Finals out of the bubble are set. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? To me, the most important thing to do if you're a sports betting show is have a responsible approach when it comes to being wrong. Because the worst thing you can do is act like being wrong is some horrible thing. Now listen, I'd rather be right. But most of the time, you're going to have very few situations are you going to be right always. The goal is to be right more than you're wrong. By embracing when you're wrong and then trying to figure out why you were wrong, that helps you not only gain the trust of the audience. It helps you be right more often. We were wrong about Aaron Rodgers, and I think we got to face it and start with Green Bay and his performance. Yeah, it was Sunday night football at New Orleans, and the Packers are 3-0 and after a 37-30 to win over the New Orleans Saints last night. Aaron Rodgers, three more interceptions and no picks. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. Or three more touchdowns, sorry, and no yeah, picks. I apologize. Three, three more touchdowns <laughs> and no picks. Yes. And, I mean, the amazing thing to me is last year, if you looked at the analytics and – I'll be honest, I have been at the forefront of the anti-Aaron Rodgers. And it's been, for me, a statistical argument. Uh, QBR, I think, is the best single stat. If you look at QBR for Aaron Rodgers, for a long time, he was outstanding. And then the time came about five years ago, he wasn't. And it got worse, uh, you know, by a little bit as the years passed. 
This year, he's backed outstanding. Now, we'll break down why that is, perhaps. I'm not sure if I know exactly. What I think is fascinating is the idea of, well, he's mad. He's getting back Green Bay. He, his pettiness is finally prevailing. And it's like, if that's true, and it doesn't seem right to me, and after Fez gives the math of this, I'm going to ask Jonas the eye test, but if it is that in response to the Jordan Love draft pick, then Jordan Love might be the most valuable pick any team made this year. Though he hasn't stepped on the field yet, might be the second most valuable or third most valuable Green Bay Packer. Because the difference in Aaron Rodgers' performance from prior recent years is drastic. Steve Fezzik, professionalbetterpregame.com. What's the number say? Let's talk accuracy. Aaron Rodgers, how many passes does, does he complete versus what was expected? This year, he's ranked seventh in the league, RJ. Look at him the two years prior. He was ranked 28th and 27th. For whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers has gone from being an inaccurate quarterback to an accurate quarterback this year. Now, so this is next-gen stats, and they grade each play, and they say, based on everything we're seeing, what is the likelihood of this pass being completed? And... Some quarterbacks complete more, some complete less. So with Aaron Rodgers being seventh, what's his plus percentage completion-wise, where he's completing how many more percent of passes than expected? Plus 4.6%. Okay, so if it were 65% expected, he's like 69 and change. That is a huge difference. For example... Another area, Fez, and you're going to have to take more responsibility here. Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterback, you were a big skeptic, big seller coming in the year. And a big reason was his accuracy. And then this year, it's also changed. Yeah, so Josh Allen is the 13th most accurate quarterback in the NFL, completing plus 3.7% more than expected. The two prior years, he was bottom five in the NFL in accuracy. That's the Fezzik. We are straight out of Vegas. Now, both those guys are stepping up, uh, having a surprisingly good year. I think both of them. I mean, Josh Allen, it's literally been his three most or, or games in which he's thrown for the most yards in his career have been the first three games this year. If I'm not mistaken, he had like a 266 maybe was his biggest passing day yards-wise ever, two years. And then over that, over that, over that, uh, I mean, impressive for sure. His accuracy's improved. Now back to Aaron Rodgers. Yards per attempt. Now what is the, why is that such a key stat? Because the theory is, and we're talking Drew Brees a lot in this regard. Oh, it's the short passes. There's not enough air yards. You hear that a good bit now. And But his completion percentage is good. It's like, yeah, but he's only dumping it off. Okay, so how do you account for that with stats? You look at yards per attempt. So if I go take a 40-yard pass, the chance of me completing it, now the chance of me completing it is not great, but anyone completing it is less than a 10-yard pass. So you got to give 
a extra bonus for long passes being completed, and thus it's not yards per completion, but yards per attempt that people care about. Now, Aaron Rodgers, up till about five years ago, was the best yards per attempt in the history of the NFL. It's just shockingly good over the course of his first five or six years in the league. Since then, last five years or so, it's dropped to average to below average, shockingly. Now, that drop happens a decent amount when quarterbacks age. They, 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 don't want, they, they start to get happy feet. They, their eye level drops. You hear the scouts talk about that a lot when they feel pressure, and they dump it off a lot more. Big Ben, for example, I'm a Steelers fan. In his prime, even now, you know, he scrambles, but he's always looking downfield. And that's something that lesser quarterbacks just don't do. I, it's only three games. But, Fez, is Aaron Rodgers' reversal from just dropping off and becoming below average on yards per attempt to his numbers this year another shocker? Absolutely. He's back to his 2014 level, 8.4 yards per attempt, and he's been below 7.5 for five straight years. What really impressed me last night, RJ, is that he had a stellar game, Rodgers did, without his number one wide receiver, Adams. He's throwing it to Lazard, dropping it into the bucket on bombs. Just uh, an amazing performance so far this year. All right, so this year you're saying three games. His yards per attempt is 8.4. 8.4. Okay, so 7.5 is about league average. So he's a yard over it, where literally for five years he's been below average. Below average Aaron Rodgers yards per attempt five years now. Outstanding. Jonas Knox in L.A., What's the fan say? He looks more comfortable, I think. Last year, it almost looked like he was uncomfortable with the idea of, you know, the offense no longer having to go through him uh, because he was so used to maybe not having consistent uh, execution from a running back or not having that element of the offense, and he could go out there and kind of do his own thing. So there almost felt like there was a, a power struggle at times. Even before the preseason last year, he talked about how he would like the ability to audible into things that he wanted to audible into and so this year it looks as if he's more comfortable more willing to share ideas more willing to to understand that i've got a really good running back he's one of the best backs in the league as of up up to this point of the season he was really good a year ago and i've got matt lafleur and those guys seem to be coexisting a little bit better as well yeah and you know you bring up a point that interests me and we can say oh jordan love the most valuable draft choice And maybe. But I think when you have someone that really has never been told no, and you might say, well, he he dropped to number 20, whatever. It's like, come on. If that's your big, you know, imagine it's like uh, trying to get in the master's program. It's like, tell us about the biggest hurdle you overcame. Well, I was the first round draft choice in the NFL, but I wanted to go in the top five, you know, and, it, and when I felt it, tw- I was in that green room all by myself on national TV. It's like, you know, if that's the challenge, I give Aaron Rodgers credit if he faced this obvious rebellion in a way, though the owners don't typically rebel, but it's like Aaron Rodgers was running, it seems, roughshod over the organization. He was the boss. They said, no, you're not. And if he's just accepted, you know, I'm not, and I'm, you know, I'm going to try my best here, that to me, he'll get the most credit I've given him because it's hard. It's hard when you have a certain 
uh, entitlement and not to get that's not a political concept to me. It's the idea of, you know, you just you've benefited from a lot of things. And then to say, hey, I see that that they're fighting back. And you know what? I'm not going to make that a big deal. I'm going to make it about my play. And now the flip side is. If it was just a matter of that kind of attitude, then how egregious was were the last five years? Yeah. And, right? well, and, and the other part of this is I think there was a message sent by the organization. One of the reports that came out, and I believe that um, Brian Gutenkutz, who's their general manager, tried to shoot it down. But one of the reports that came out was after they got rid of McCarthy and they brought in Matt LaFleur, there was sort of a, hey, man, don't don't get in the way of this like you did the McCarthy stuff. You know, in essence, don't screw this up or don't ruin this relationship because of your attitude. Now, they shot it down afterwards and said, oh, that that conversation never took place. But I know this to be a fact. Aaron Rodgers was not in on the hiring of Matt LaFleur. They didn't they didn't discuss it with him. They didn't talk to him about it. They didn't get his the green light from him. They didn't get his okay. They hired Matt LaFleur and basically said, "You're going to make this work or you're not." And that's that's where they left it with him. And it all feeds into this idea of who's the boss. Yeah. You know, not Tony Danza, though that's a great old sitcom, <laughs> but rather <laughs> I did like Tony Danza, but on Taxi it to me, you look at LaFleur, and you got to wonder, is this guy going to be a legend who we think back? You know, we doubted him. Because to come in as a young guy, first-time head coach, and to win the power struggle, as it seems like that now he's got Rodgers playing his game. And obviously, it's to his benefit, Rodgers' benefit, but it doesn't change it. Rodgers wasn't inclined to do this. So, LaFleur... As a young coach, one of the great victories you could say we've seen. Now, listen, it's been three games. But with three games down, Green Bay is a shockingly good team, much better than we expected. And Aaron Rodgers may be the best quarterback in the NFL for the top uh, for these first three games. And most certainly that has not been the case even close for five years. All right, first break. When we come back. We'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys and that, well, obviously losing big. And then they were big favorites to win. And guess what? Steve Fezzik had the Cowboys. He lost. We can hear him cry about that, too. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. your ears for Farmers Policy Perks. From discounts to added benefits, you can get a whole lot of something. Get a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies underwritten by Farmers Truck and Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Ferrari and Jaguar switching four lanes on top down screaming out money ain't a thing. Bubble hard in the double law flashing the rings with the window crack. Holler back. Money ain't a thing. I don't like it if it don't gleam gleam. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox voice of you the fan coming up here in just a couple of moments we will get into the game in seattle that took place yesterday and one member of the show is not happy about it. <laughs> seven picks a week for fez 
He's laying 103. A lot of people would say, wait a minute, Fez? This is the guy that the only guy ever to win two super contests. RJ, you must be crazy. I just smiled. How'd he do this week? Not so good. We'll be talking about that in just literally a minute. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We promise best football season yet. And we've had a great, great start. And we're on those 225 Fox Sports Radio stations, coast to coast, here in Las Vegas. 91 degrees on the Strip. The neon is flowing. So, RJ, it was a shootout in Seattle yesterday, and it was the Seattle Seahawks staying undefeated, now 3-0 and after a 38-31 win over the Dallas Cowboys. So, Fez, you had the Cowboys here as one of your picks. So, uh, I think they called that a loser. How are you feeling about your pay? Give us a little macro report. It's a swing game. I wound up 3-3 three and three in my other six games, and Dallas struggled early, turnovers, got down by two touchdowns, came all the way back, took the lead by one point with about five minutes to play, and I was feeling good, RJ, really good. Dallas was a favorite to win the game, much less cover at the five, but... They gave it away, and kudos to that Seattle offense that's clicking on all cylinders. So let's think about this. Not only – so Dallas is up one. Not only Dallas was favored to win the game, which obviously is a plus-five underdog, you cover, but there was a lot of scenarios that they could have lost the game and still covered. So at that point, what do you think the odds were of Dallas not covering? Probably about 15 to 20%. So does that shake you? Because as you think about it and the the losses pile up, how'd you do last week? Three and four. You sure it was three and four? Yes, I am. Okay. I thought it was like two and five, but okay, three that's and what four. I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought too, John. We're gonna do- <laughs> Thanks, double- Jonas. Yeah, we're gonna double check that. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Fez. I I mean, Fez, I'll tell you this. For Fez, you know, he mixes up a lot. He never mixes things up to his disfavor. That's, I mean, that's what bookies, I don't know if you've ever had like a local bookie, but back in the day before everyone had the white label stuff where you just go online, it doesn't matter if it's a barroom guy or not, he's got a computer that he buys, you know, he buys access to the license, the software is you'll see your number, right? You know, plus a thousand, minus a thousand, whatever. You used to call the guy and say, uh, at least allegedly, I, I would never do anything illegal back in the day, but you'd call up and it'd be like, what's, the, what's my number, right? Let's check the number. And the bookie would make maybe, but never was it in your favor. If you were up 700, he'd be like 640, right? And <laughs> Fez is like a bookie in that regard. Never a mistake to his disfavor. Would you agree with that, Fez? I would, and that's why whenever you're checking a figure, always have them give the figure first. Don't give the figure first, right, RJ? Well, like I said, I asked you, and you say three and four last week, but down. Let's say down. Okay. And then now you thought I had a good week. I was 85% to, you know, before. But now you're three and four again, perhaps. It's got to get in your head. You'd be thinking I'd be even right now and just down the VIG. I'm is fine. It, it, you're okay? <laughs> it's right. early. This is, I would keep saying it. This is Steve Fezzik, or he's Steve Fezzik. This is the guy that's going to win a lot of money from Steve Fezzik because we are betting, auto bet 100 a game. But remember now, 
And even money, Fez is a big favor. Oh, I'm finally getting the VIG here. Minus 103. You might say, RJ, minus 103. Why not minus 110? That's retail. We're forcing him to pick seven games a week, all of them at the same time. Right? So that's the thing. It's, it's Friday right before the show. And that's why it's so important. Bet early. Bet middle. Bet late. Right? You want to bet on Sunday? I mean, I loved Fez. I mean, I told you on Saturday. I said my epiphany game, which is a new thing. It's been, it hits me all of a sudden late in the week. My epiphany game was Minnesota, right? Absolutely, yes. And you didn't even disclose the reasons for it. I, I had an epiphany. <laughs> That's why they call it an epiphany game. And we couldn't play it in the Super Contest because the line was two and a half, plus two and a half for Minnesota, and it was moving towards three at the time we had to submit the picks. You just can't play bad numbers. That game, you know, it, it covers fairly easily, I'd say. So the, the, if I, what I did was I waited and played it on Sunday, plus three, minus 110. So being, being forced to pick games at one point during the week, at one out, is a big disadvantage. Fez, last thing on this, I think a disadvantage that you probably under or under accounted for. Absolutely. And look at this Dallas pick. I had plus five, RJ. So I, even after the Seattle touchdown, if I had had plus five and a half, I would have had a coin flip bet. Instead, stuck with plus five. Now I'm going to lose or I'm going to push. I can't win. But you lost. I did. Second week in a row. Ouch. <laughs> Jonas, let's go back to Dallas. We're straight out of Vegas. What did you see in that game? Seattle, obviously Russell's doing great. A career year so far. Uh, MVP favorite. And Fez, if you can, get the MVP favorites together after we talk to Jonas, and we'll talk about that. What, do you, what did you take away from the game, Jonas? Well, I think first we, we should be completely honest about it. Um, I'm partly responsible about what happened in the game because I also like Dallas plus the five, <laughs> uh, so that's probably why Fez lost. But also, Seattle should have won that game by much more because DK Metcalf was walking into the end zone with a touchdown and had the ball batted out of his hand out of the back of the end zone. So that was, that was an extra six points taken off the board so maybe this should have been more closer to a double digit win and maybe it wasn't all that close for Dallas uh, now that we look back in retrospect no it's a good point and and Dallas obviously was uh, down big at various points of that game and if you look at the in-game odds and that's something we're going to be doing more of to kind of gauge the ebbs and flows of these games and we've got access uh, to you know, a, a couple different sources of, of really strong uh, archives of these odds. And Dallas, for example, was a minus about 180 favorite when Seattle got that ball. So they're saying uh, it was actually minus 174 at the stations uh, when there was a 356 left in the fourth. So did, uh, as much as Seattle was ahead you know, obviously significantly by 15 earlier, Dallas was the clear favorite. And then Seattle, once again, Russell Wilson brought him back. If you look at the odds for the NFC East, Dallas is minus 250. So 250 wins you 100. So think about that for a second. The team's one and two, and they're minus 250 to win the division. Philly is three to one. Washington's 10 to 1. 
And if you ever wondered why I call bookies cockroaches, the Giants are 27 to 1. You're telling me that you they think there's truly a 27 to 1 chance that the Giants are winning that division? <laughs> I mean, that should be 270. Fez, what would you have to take? What would you have to get to take Giants to win the division? 150. Jonas, what would you have to take? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean... I, I mean, I would, I'm an idiot, so I would, I would bet it at any price just to say I got it right if they actually <laughs> want it. But I, I don't – they're so far and away the worst team in that division, yet they're just a game out. Um, I mean, let's talk about that San Fran because to me – I mean, Fez, you know, we went two and two and we got tonight and we'll be talking about it here in a few minutes. And we actually have Colin Cowherd. He did six minutes with me on our podcast about this game. So we'll have that coming up in just a moment or so. But uh, last thing on the Giants here in the NFC East for now is the idea that San Francisco was maybe about as bad as any spot I've seen a team in injury-wise. Then you have two straight weeks back east, so they have to stay in West Virginia, which is a tough thing. (laughs) I grew up... About five miles from West Virginia, I can attest. Fez, how shocking was that underperform? I mean, we can say how great Shanahan was, but how shocking was that underperformance? Oh, completely shocking. Complete no-show by the Giants offense and defense. Outgained 420 to 230 against a San Francisco team that, like you said, had cluster injuries all over the field. It did not matter. Nick Mullins, a quarterback instead of Jimmy G, who I love. And uh, Mullins, very capable. Giants just looked horrible on both sides of the ball the entire game. In about 30 seconds, we're going to go to trending, but... I want to look at colleges and talk about two of these in-game odds real quick because it really tells you the two big shockers here. So it was a situation where Kansas State was losing. It was just about the end of the third quarter. They were down by 14. And right there, you could have gotten Kansas State 25-1 to to win that game against Oklahoma. They did. Uh, They were 16-1 to underdogs entering the game. So it seems like 25 is even cheap there. Now you see Mississippi State and go, oh my God, what an upset, 14 point. Yeah, they were plus 450 coming in, four and a half to one, that's it. And finally, Texas, who came back shockingly, they were 20 to one when they were down by 15 with three minutes left in the fourth, 20 to one. So it might be, oh yeah, Texas had it. No, no, it was like less than 5%. Less than 5%. Okay, let's ESPN see what's tra- show, ESPN oh. showed 0.2% for Texas at one point, RJ. Can you believe it? Well, but the difference there is that the bookies don't want to pay the jumbo-jumbo stuff. And let's be <laughs> candid. What's funny? Bookies, they, uh, they're not generous. <laughs> but you laugh at that. You find it funny they take advantage of people? It's weird. All right. He always laughs at weird. Like when you they talk about plane crashes, you'll start laughing. It's weird. All right. So we're going to go to trending. If Fez, can I go to trending now, Fez? Is that Let's okay? do it. You sure? Okay. <laughs> you got to call the wife and check or? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
your ears for Farmers Policy Perks. From discounts to added benefits, you can get a whole lot of something. Get a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., we have a big one on Monday Night Football coming up later on tonight. And the line is still Ravens minus three and a half on pregame.com hosting the Chiefs. Yeah, so Colin Cowherd and I talked about this game at length. And I think it really touched on some key, key points. Let's listen. Let's go! Now. Now. That's great football now! It's Collins. Bonus pick only for R.J. Bell. Pick number six. This is the bonus pick. We give our kids who listen a little dessert at the end of the meet. <laughs> so this is a game is that I considered strongly. My bonus pick is something I considered strongly. Betters used to use this as the catch-up game, right? Oh, like, bailout, bailout the, game. Yeah, I just, I mostly stay away from Monday Night Football games. They're the only game there's a unique pressure and some teams fold. So I would take the Ravens minus four here. I would take the favorite. 25 straight games with over 100 rushing yards. I believe the way to beat Mahomes is keep him off the field. And I think Baltimore's offense will keep him off the field. So I would have taken Baltimore minus four, you know, to win by about a touchdown in a highly competitive game. What would the wise guys have said about my bonus pick? Hate that game. Disagreement. Biggest disagreement of the week. And think of it like this, Colin. If you look at... Lamar Jackson against everyone except Kansas City in the regular season. He's 21 and 1. <laughs> against Kansas City, he's 0 and 2. Yeah. It could be a coincidence. Andy Reid, though, a heck of a coach, and Harbaugh usually outschemes the opponents. I also think the following, and this is going to be under discussed Monday, we'll get ahead of it, which is there's only one number one seed in each conference this year. This game effectively is for the number one seed. What you could say is maybe Baltimore has more of a statement to make Kansas City might rest on their Super Bowl trophy, but Kansas City does not want to go to Baltimore in the conference final, and they don't want to play the first weekend if they can avoid it. I think you get full effort from both teams. We're getting over a field goal. Love the Chiefs. You know, it's interesting. Here's what worries me about Kansas City, and this is like a disturbing trend. Four of their last five wins for Kansas City have come after trailing by 10-plus points at some point. Um, They're a very good come-from-behind team, but I do worry. If I could bet this game, I'd bet Baltimore scores first. They're a quick-starting team, Mm. and Kansas City's a slow-starting team. What I worry about is Baltimore's got a lead late and the ball. And it's just Kansas City is is getting kind of into a habit, RJ, of just kind of kicking it around. Pete Carroll's teams do this too much. That they just kind of they just kind of roll it out and then at halftime he makes adjustments and you ask Russell Wilson to be, you know, a, a, a save the franchise. Now this year they haven't been like that. But it, but it's always driven me nuts about Pete Carroll. He's a great adjuster, but Andy Reid's teams now are getting into big holes. Does that worry you at all? Well, first, I would say Pete Carroll, this year, he's been totally different. Yes, this year is an aberration for him. Yeah, and and the question is, is he going to keep it up? Because if so, the analytics guys love the aggression they're showing early. Here's what I wonder, and you watch these games very closely. I don't 
take too much of my watching the game in account. I try to block that out because I think that I'm not a professional at that and like scouts are. And I know you've gotten away uh, a perspective of a scout, which I'm always interested to hear your thoughts is, do you feel like it's Kansas City being lackadaisical, making uh, mistakes that are schematic early, let's say one or the other, or is it, hey, things just went against them and they were able to come back? Because to me, being able to come back is a great advantage. I just don't want them doing something deficient that puts them behind more times than not. So how do you see it? What do you think the cause is? Well, my cause would be this. People forget this. Um, It was either passer rating or completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes was 11th in the NFL last year. He is still ascending and developing as a pocket passer. He acknowledges he's just started being able to read a defense last year. He's a kid. He is a kid. Um, And he still can be really loose. And so I think when he's at his best, he's trailing. They put the ball in his hands and they say, go be magic. It's often when Russell Wilson's at his best. But I still think Mahomes leaves a lot on the table and makes a lot of mistakes. And I think teams come out with defensive game plans and different looks. And I think he can struggle early in games because I don't think overall he's the quarterback of Russell Wilson today. I just think he's a better quarterback talent than anybody I've seen in a decade. So I do think you can still flummox him early in games as he's learning the position at the line of scrimmage. I guess in that case, you got to wonder, playing Baltimore so much, does that help Kansas City? Or does it I, help Baltimore because they've seen him now so many times and know his weaknesses? This is, But is there that many weaknesses or is it him being lackadaisical? And if anything, Lamar seems like the one, if you get more familiar with, it's an advantage. But you know what? This is why the NFL is so amazing. Yeah. Is the line in this game last week, so the look ahead, was two and a half. The only thing that happened was Baltimore played one good game and Kansas City had a, let's say, bad game on the road against a very talented Chargers team. And then the line jumps from two and a half to three and a half. To me, that's the value. If this game was two and a half, I'd pass it. Three and a half, I think the value is KC. Very good stuff. His name is RJ Bell. At RJ in Vegas is his Twitter account. Pregame.com is the site. Straight out of Vegas is the radio show. We hope, as always, you enjoy. RJ, good talking to you. All right. Good conversation there, I think. Here's a stat that blows your mind. If you go back a dozen games for the Ravens and only look at the regular season, the Ravens are plus 15 points over the ATS margin, ATS margin. The next best team's the Chiefs, and they're less than five points. 